This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. We're going to get started here in just a minute. Uh, you can always go to practicalshepherding.com, access resources there, reach out and contact us if we can be a help to you in some way. Uh, you can also go and leave a review for this podcast, if you'd like, on however you listen to it, iTunes, Spotify, whatever it might be. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We do occasionally look at those reviews and to help spread the word of the podcast as well. So thank you for those who have done that. We know we have a lot of faithful listeners and, and uh, to this podcast, and we're grateful for your feedback and your ideas that you send us through social media and other ways. And this is uh, another uh, uh, topic we're going to cover today that was sent in by someone through social media. So again, feel free to continue to do that. We, we are helped by the ideas and um, want to be able to address things that you're asking us to address, hoping they'll be helpful to others. The topic for today is one that was sent in, and it's this. How, how, do you, how do you deal with an accusation that comes against an elder or a pastor? So uh, we want to be able to talk about this because this is something, Jim, I, I presume you've seen this as well. I have seen a, at least an increase on conversations about this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not in a position to really to say there's an increase of accusation, but just uh, I think social media has increased that awareness of all this stuff so sure. much more. Yep. Certainly add to that the 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 documentations of spiritual abuse in recent years, uh, abuse in churches that have taken place. All of this these things have heightened awareness of these in a in a very good way of of things going on in churches that a lot in past have been hidden and covered up, and right. these are things that need to be exposed. And so we want to be able to have a conversation around this <clears throat> because the other side to this is when there is a heightened sensitivity towards those pa- pastors and elders who are abusive and harming sheep and harming churches that needs to be called out, that needs to be addressed, and all those kinds of things. What comes with that, though, is also a hypersensitivity towards accusations around this yeah. for pastors too. And, right. and we're seeing that as well. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I've, I've watched a few different pastors recently who's who've had to step down, not because anything was proven or even the, the accusations were legitimate, but simply mm. because there is such a sensitivity right. towards these accusations that they need, that they are taken very seriously right. as they should be. But there is an ebb and flow that comes with this. Right. And there are some that, uh, that are, uh, being accused of things that necessarily aren't being proven to be mm. to be true. So we want to be able to try to work through this. Is there a text in particular that maybe addresses accusations against an elder? <laughs> yes, Brian, there is. is. That's actually a very specific I'm text. I'm so glad about to know this, that. Okay. That? Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go here, and then I do want to mention some other verses and passages as well, Brian. But yeah, Paul addresses this in, with Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter. Five. Now, he has just given some uh, words about the blessings and benefits of those in ministry. And then he gives this word, do not receive an accusation. This is First Timothy 5 and verse 19. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning, rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. And so I think that that partiality and prejudice has to do, I think, with the perhaps the temptation to 
uh, guard the elders uh, in a way, even when accusations have come from the mouth of two or three witnesses. And Brian, I think, you know, again, there's tension here because, you know, the Bible not only addresses the issue of pastoral, that there is a, some authority in the pastoral office and that those under that authority are to recognize that authority and appreciate it and to be submissive and obey and think highly of and and all of that. And then you have the reality that because that can be taken advantage of, First Peter chapter 5, that we are to lead without lording it over the flock, and only those who are given authority would be ever tempted to lord it over the flock. And then you have the reality in Acts chapter 20, as Paul is talking to the elders at the church in Ephesus, that after his departure, he says, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. He says, but also from among your own selves, you know, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw the disciples away after themselves. And I think in that context, Brian, the the exhortation, take heed to yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, is not just a matter of individual care, but also a care for one another, watching out for each other, with the recognition that it is possible, even in our own congregations, with elders that we have seen put into place and men maybe that we love and, and, and work with, that some of them could go astray and that the congregation may recognize that before the other elders do, and the congregation brings the concern. And so I think these are realities that we need to be able to face, uh, that the Bible has equipped us to deal with them, and though with heavy hearts we would have to deal with this, we're not left flat-footed and without a word from the Lord on it. Yeah, no, that's good. I want to respond to two of the things you mentioned. One is Acts 20. I want to go back to that a moment, because I agree with you take heed to yourselves, <clears throat> is speaking to looking at your own life and your own spiritual state. <clears throat> but there is imp- implied in that Acts 20 passage that the elders are to look, take heed to each other right, and to guard from the wolves coming from within them right. to, to devour the flock. So I think it's an important observation you made. I also want to go back to, to 1 Timothy 5. And I, out of that, I want to highlight... Uh, attention that I already feel in this conversation, and I kind of want to put it out there because I think it's probably the most obvious thing that most will feel with this with this particular topic. First Timothy five is pointing to. Uh, well, let me back up. You and I. I'll speak first. Both you can push back if you want, but I don't assume you won't. Like you and I both have become been involved in some of these different situations around abuse and uh, churches and pastors and all these kind and caring for victims of, of abuse in different ways. Right. <clears throat> and as a general rule, we both advocate that victims need to be believed. That needs to be the first place you start with this kind of conversation, which has been part of the problem for all these years, that victims aren't being believed to. Yeah. Brian, just go real quick. I just want to use the term, I think, taken seriously. Yeah. I think that's what we want to do. Fair we, enough. Because we want to evaluate, because really where after is the truth. And, and again, hopefully, again, without accusing, but we wanted them to say, listen, we hear you, we take you seriously. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Just... But adding to that, so there's that tension of, <clears throat> let's put it this way, victims being cared for better than they have been Absolutely. historically. Absolutely. Okay, and so there's that side, and then there's First Timothy 5 that's specifically saying that the accusation can't just come from one person. It has to come from more than one for the sake of credibility in the accusation. So I just want to highlight the tension of these things right. that that we need to just hold in balance the best we can. 
that we need to recognize that churches have done a terrible job of caring for victims historically. That's part of why yeah. we're in the position we're in, yep. in, in, a, in a general sense. Yeah. But on this other side, we, we, can't, we have to be careful to not overcorrect Correct. to where we are. We have, we have pastors whose ministries are being taken down by, by one accusation that then is not at all credible and, and is not showing any kind of evidence of that. But none, the, the accusation itself is what takes a pastor down. Yeah. In, but let's, can I, may I ask about this quickly? I don't want to derail our, our, where we're wanting to go with this. Are there sometimes when uh, one accusation is, is either so credible or so serious that even though there's not corroborating evidence, and again, particularly if, let's say, for instance, there's an abuse, situ- a sexual right, abuse situation, right, sure. you know, he, uh, he took advantage of me in a counseling situation, right. and now it's his word against hers, or his word against him, or whatever the case might be. And there weren't two people there. There weren't three because you know you don't do that thing right. when there's other people around. Right. And, you know. So there is sometimes where again, at least where we say, however we want to phrase this, you know, that we want to take that such a serious accusation that at least again warrants investigation. Yeah. And not just sweeping under the rug. I'm really glad you brought that up. I think you illustrated really well the point I'm trying to make, and that is, you have First Timothy five saying two three witnesses for the credibility's sake, and yet what you, the scenario you just articulated, I think really, really matters. Yeah. That there are scenarios where the voice of that one person has to be taken very seriously. Right. And, a, and in those moments, as we know, Jim, a lot of times the pastor, the one in authority, the leader, the one respected, the one everybody looks to, yeah. a lot of times his word is taken over the the person that is right. that is accusing, yeah, him. and it's hard. So yep. I just that's the tension I'm talking about. Yeah, and I want to also say up front, we don't have this tension figured out. That's not the goal of this conversation. Okay, <laughs> so if you have listened to this, hoping we're gonna we're gonna articulate, we're gonna that answer every question you would ever. You're have. gonna be sorely disappointed. You should probably turn it off now. <laughs> what we do want to have though is a conversation, acknowledging the tensions yep. that exist, and trying to figure out how to wisely maneuver through. Both of these type of things. So, give two scenarios, Jim, that I, that I've recently been involved with. One is that, that uh, a pastor who uh, is is being accused of of sexual abuse, and as the investigation plays out, shows that has a history of it in a way that mm-hmm. was covered up, and sure. each church yep. to church just hop church to church, and that's the scenario that at least most recently came out you know within the SBC yeah. that's caused all this this stir right. right rightfully so but in that instance you know there is that that most recent victim um not only has to be taken seriously but has to be believed based on the pattern sure. that, that, yeah, of that, yeah, of that, that yes. person. That has great credibility. Otherwise, right. otherwise, the pattern just continues, right. and that, that pastor just leaves that church and goes to the, right. to the next one. And so like we, we have to look for... We, there needs to be serious investigations that are done, and by proper authorities that, right. that can do them, because churches have historically shown to cover up these things for the sake of of not wanting to cause a stir and other kinds of things that that, that right. are behind that. <clears throat> I have another situation of a pastor that that I'm talking to who uh, is is in the middle of a really hard revitalization context. He's got those three or four families that are coming after him and he's he's four or five years in, typical timing of this. And he recently just got there were 
accusations give uh, that were given against him that um, one person gave got, came against him, and it wasn't anything of like sexual abuse nature or anything. It was it was more abstract. You know, it was more re- you know. Um, more of an, an opinion on how this person's handling this or whatever. Mm. And, but he's dealing with some significant backlash in a way. I would mean knowing that to the level, I know the situation is un, un um, necessarily harming his ministry uh, because one kind of person went rogue and started sharing abstract things that not even happened to them. Just he's, he's this kind of leader. He's doing these kinds of things. And it's causing significant stirring in the congregation, even though there's no one else coming forward to validate the accusation. So uh, those are two current situations that, that I'm in, Jim. Jim, speak to either one of those. And, and like, how do we find, how do we sort through the accusation? How do we sort through you know, one accusation that, again, is going to defend and care for a victim who was truly harmed yeah. in a situation? And and what happens? What do you do in a situation where there's a clear accusation, but there's nothing substantiated behind it? There's not a not even another person who's willing to come. It almost look everything looks like it's someone go, trying to take down the pastor. And what? How do you make sense of these situations, Jim? Yeah, well, Brian, I think one of the things you have to lay out here is that there is a context in which this passage comes. You have you have. Uh, but I believe very clearly you, you have a situation where there's at least a plurality of elders. You have a church structure that has, you have at least a somewhat, at least obviously here in the first century, you have a very biblical church uh, order, uh, ecclesiology uh, of leadership, and that is rooted in what is said earlier in First Timothy chapter 3 of the qualifications for these elders. So I mean, obviously your hope is <laughs> in a setting where you say, okay, this is a setting where elders have been seen and approved by the congregation. They have met the qualifications. Uh, they have shown over an extended period of time a pattern of godliness that causes them, generally speaking, to be trusted, and that the default of the congregation is generally to trust these men because they're known. That's, what I think, part of what's being brought out there in order for those qualifications to be met. The man has to be known. Uh, he's lived and labored among them for at least some period of time. And so that's why, one of the reasons why, you know, they, it ought not to be easy necessarily just to take anybody down. And because, you know, you live in a, a society in which there's no hierarchy, there's no authority. And, you know, the, and even among uh, many believers now, the call in light of the abuses will destroy all, 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 you know, leadership structures and whatnot and put everybody on the same playing field. Well, the Bible doesn't do that. And when the Bible does address those in authority, it always exhorts them toward humility and how they're supposed to. To do it, but it addresses those under the authority and how they're to respond, so that there is to be in a in a, in a good church setting, based upon Bible qualifications and living your life out. You know that where an accusation were made, like so, let's take your second scenario where the accusation is made that um, Pastor Bill or you know is is very heavy-handed in this. And, you know, you, you as, you know, other elders in the congregation, again, however you work out your leadership structure, whether you have a pastor and the elders and the pastor's an elder, but the elders aren't pastors, or whether you have more plurality and parity, as I understand the scriptures to teach, so that you're all pastors, 
But you listen to that and you say, well, that's certainly not our experience of Pastor Bill. But then you begin to talk to the congregation. If you've had interaction with him, you know, he's been here for years. Uh, obviously, we know him and love him, but an accusation's been been leveled. Uh, you know, you begin to some kind of investigation. Something like that is very different than the sexual abuse, you know, because so, you're not going around asking, well, have you been sexually abused? Have you been sexually assaulted? Right. Now, that might actually happen, you know, where, where they say, well, actually, you know, he's been very inappropriate with me. He's been very inappropriate with me. and But it's all been suppressed, again, because of a structure where you appreciate leadership and other people think he's great and all of this. So, I mean, it works. This is the tension because those things can be used in very good ways to protect men who should be protected it can also be used to harbor abusive men. Yeah, and I, I want to take the other side to that, though, just for, for the sake of argument, because what, what I think we have to acknowledge, and I think this is what's been shocking about so many of the, uh, I mean, just, I mean, pastors and ministry leaders that are being exposed as predators. I mean, it just, yeah. and, and how kind of just jolting that's been to so many people, including myself is that technology has allowed just people in general, but especially leaders in authority who have influence and can wield power over other people. Yeah. Technology has allowed those people to live secret lives without people knowing in a way that I think was harder to do uh, beforehand. In other words, the you know when, again, people could always live secret lives, but they had to kind of go looking for it. Yeah. When you have technology stuff, and I mean, I mean, the there's been numerous examples of just it, what inappropriate texting or inappropriate right. messaging or whatever right. those things, you know, all the way to the you know just like high end ministry leaders being exposed as little predators for thirty right. years on right. on women and, and children kind of yeah. thing. So there, I think that's what's tricky about this is though. To your point, I, I agree with you. I think. The vetting process that churches go through, that elders have with each other, is supposed to be a safeguard. I think right. that's the point of Acts twenty, and I think it's the point of First Timothy five. It's First Timothy five is not. It's on one sense, it's to protect the elders' reputation. On the other, it's to protect the, the exactly. The, the it's, to give, it's to give a protocol about how you go about doing this. Because yeah, right. because so and, and to do it publicly. Right. There's a though. It's First Timothy five for the record tries to capture that balance by the way that I think we a lot read that passage thinking it's just to defend the, the elder no it it says just as much as if he's found guilty right. publicly rebuke him in, yeah. in the in the presence of all so that everybody is is affected by that in a in a helpful way so I, I just want to put on the other side on one and there is a safeguard with the vetting process and that's good and we should do that I think that's what's made this more complicated though Jim is technology has allowed us to have potential to have secret lives in a way that can be profoundly different yeah. and darker and in and more harmful than I think we've been able to that, that somebody can have in the past and that's got to be acknowledged in this conversation because even though you go through the proper vetting where where's the point of being above reproach right well I'm going to also piggyback on this and, and again I want to be very careful I don't want to be misunderstood in what I'm saying here but technology has also allowed accusations to be brought against an elder. Very true. That's you know, right. and, That's exactly and, right. And, and to reach thousands of ears or thousands of eyes 
you know, all it has to do is just say that they did this, you know, and, and somebody's going to believe it. Um, it may not have any truth at all. You know, they, they kidnapped me and took me to a secluded island. I'm like, well, what in the world? I, and I don't even, I, I don't even know this. I'm sure you don't know it, perv, you know, you know, and, and, right. and you are guilty. Online. And again, to your point, you mentioned earlier, you may even lose your job over that, even though there's nothing to it at all. And so that's a, that's a real possibility. Jim, I'm, I'm thinking in my head as you're saying that I've got four or five people in my mind right now, friends of mine that what were some erroneous accusation on social media was made and it didn't matter if it was true or not. It, right. it, and it ended up, it ended up def- really harming their ministry. It was, yeah. and they all showed to be, to be not true, but it, but it's, how do you, how do you chase after all? That's one of the incredible dangers of social media right is on, on one end it's good it's exposing things in a way that needed right. to be exposed but on this other side it makes first timothy 5 that much more interesting on how it gets applied yeah because it's so easy to just destroy somebody because that's what you want to say like look the scriptures have given a process and that's what that's why you want to say look there's a due process here there is a way if an elder needs to be taken down it can be taken down right and and the and again again we we work through these tensions what Paul says to Timothy is look don't show partiality don't don't automatically assume he's innocent just because he's your buddy and you've worked together and all of that so you got to be I, I can right. remember a situation somebody we both know uh, but an accusation was brought to the eldership a woman came who said that pastor so and so had committed adultery and I mean, they were just, I mean, the elders were, I mean, they were in a sense loath to believe it. But on the other hand, just it's, it's such a devastating accusation yep. it needed to be taken seriously. Yep. Now, eventually this woman was, she was, she, this, in this case, I don't want to, I'm, I'm hesitant to say it because I know some guys want to throw all female accusers under the bus. Right, right. But in this case, it was a lie. And you know, but the but the damage done and right. the harm done and the and the heartbreak of the of the leadership having to deal with a man they'd known for forty years, but you got to take it seriously. You got to do the investigation. You got you got to you know work these things. And again, now she she herself admitted, you know, but that made it easier. You know, it wasn't just his word against hers, but yeah. she admitted later that she was just mad about something and yeah. she was trying to destroy him. You know, so you do have that, but. I think, again, this shows us that something I say all the time to to us as elders when we're talking about something like this is that we have to be for the flock, and if that means we have to be against each other, but that the job of shepherds is not to protect shepherds. The job of uh, shepherds is to protect sheep. Yeah, that's right. And that's the one thing I think we really need to to get out of this with, again, with all the caveats of, of all of the harm that can come through false accusation. That there's also been exceedingly great harm done because shepherds have have circled the wagons around the shepherds, no doubt. And uh, and the amount of stories of that are so manifold um, that it's just it's just tragic and heartbreaking. Yeah, the, there's a reason there's been a, a, a hypersensitivity to this because, like right. you said, the amount of times shepherds have circled the wagons around shepherds and have protected each other right. is is why we're really why we're having this conversation in a lot of ways because a lot of this is getting exposed. Uh, I want to go one more place before we wrap and just let's let's address pastors. Okay, so here's the scenario. I think we've pretty accurately captured this. This here's the tension. Yeah. We don't have any answers for you, but here's the tension. But how would we advo- how would we advise pastors? Okay, here's the tension. 
Um, you got to, you still got to do your ministry, be faithful. You can't function in fear, but let's go back and forth. One piece of advice for a pastor on here's the scenario. Here's the world we live in. This, this is, this tension's not going to go away. I don't believe, uh, how does a pastor, what are some things a pastor can do to function faithfully? Yeah, I think the first thing, Brian, we have to say is that shepherds need to shepherd their shepherds. And, 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 and that includes not just assuming they're doing well, not just assuming that they're walking yeah, in integrity. Good. Ask questions. Ask some hard questions. Um, uh, oversee each other. Actually pastor each other. Right. Have faithful conversations. Follow up on suspicions. Follow up on concerns that you yourself have. Uh-huh. That if you're in an elders meeting and somebody, you know, one of your elders has dropped an inappropriate comment or that you've watched that he's had a lingering conversation with a certain woman, yeah, you don't want to throw the guy into the bus instantly, but, but also don't just turn a blind eye to that. Right. If you're concerned, you know, the old saying, you know, see something, say something, see something, say something to him and, and, and begin to have the conversation that says, listen, I, I care about you. I'm concerned about you. Uh, if we don't have the kind of open, loving relationships among elders where shepherds will shepherd each other rightly and treat each other as sheep that, that have souls with the knowledge that, look, all of us have the potential to blow this place up and to do tremendous harm here, and it behooves us to take care of each other and to address issues in the bud rather than wait to full flower. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> I would add to that. That especially with those who don't have other elders around them, uh, the to simply just f- feel your a call. The call for Acts twenty is taking to yourselves and the flock. Right, taking heed to yourself is just as much a part of your call from God to do what you do as caring for the flock or any ministry task that you have. So I would say one of the ways to avoid accusation is live in a way that's above reproach. Live a consistent, faithful, quiet, godly life, as we're called to do in so many different instances. And uh, and be mindful to, to be consistent in the way you live your life and live your life in community around other people. And to add to that, especially if you don't have other fellow pastors that care for one another well, and many churches don't, make sure you have the proper people in your life for uh, accountability and care. Um these kinds of you know these kinds of behaviors don't just just kind of happen all of a sudden. Right. These, are, these are things that uh, build and are, are are part of a long plotting process. So often, like have people in your life who, like you said, are asking hard, you hard questions. Have people in your life that you're willing you can be really open and honest with and share about your struggles and your difficulties, um, and have someone you actually can talk to around those things. Uh, that is, you can't control whether someone's going to go rogue and accuse you of something. Right. But what you can control is is living above reproach in a world that people watch your life and and if when an accusation that's the essence of being above reproach. The First Timothy three talks right, about it's, exactly. It's being above accusation, not it's being above uh, living your life in such a way that is above the appearance of evil, not just living right, not, not living in evil. So. Yep. Anything else? To yeah. Add so that? I think you need to publicly inform your congregation of these realities. That is, preach, preach 1 Timothy 5 and have enshrined in your constitution the way in which the process and have the congregation formed of the process of how elders are dealt with in sin. Yeah, that's good. And how, they're, and how they can be removed from office and, and let them know. I mean, you have to state it publicly. You say, listen, none of us are above 
uh, you know, the potential of having, you know, if you have concerns about us, if you have concerns about one of your elders, it's one of the questions we ask regularly when we do uh, what we call oversight, visit with the congregation, do you have any issues with any of your leaders, any of your elders, any of your deacons, or been anything that's brought out, make it hard for you to listen to them. But let it be known that this is on your radar, that these men are, are not uh, above any accusation, uh, that you have a process and the congregation knows the process, even what to do if the whole, co- if the whole eldership goes rogue, yeah. uh, how the congregation, that there are things in place for the congregation to be able to do. So I think that needs to be stated uh, and written down some process uh, by which a church can righteously deal with this situation. Yeah, that's, that's a really good one. Um, <clears throat> final thought for me on this is um, – simply to um, to take every accusation seriously uh, to come back to that yeah. I think it does I think one of the things that I hear uh, get a lot of churches and pastors in trouble around this and it's caused I think this is my opinion I think it's caused the the train of cover-ups and, and those cycles with one right. individual is we conclude that the accusations are not credible or to be taken seriously because we dismissively say, I can't imagine he'd do that. Or you fear the fear the fallout. Or you fear the fallout. What's going to happen if we just let people know our pastor's being accused in this way? And and that, I think, has been the, the road down which many things have not been exposed and people just go on to be harmed more. Take every accusation seriously. Yeah. Uh, is it's been the final word I would I would throw out there, and the moment you're tempted to think, well, there's no way this is true because I, I you know, on, on one sense we're we're talking out of both sides of our mouth, aren't we? We're talking about live a faithful life so that when an accusation comes, nobody believes it. Well, yes, that is the best way to do this. However, you know, let an investigation process carry itself out right. to prove yourself to be uh, faithful in whatever it is that. Um, that you say has taken place in those circumstances, and it also gives it also gives a seriousness towards the uh, caring for that victim, whatever is going, whether it's a victim or whether it's someone just accusing a you know mm-hmm. the pastor stole money. Okay, that's quite an accusation. So right. let's, I mean, an investigation should confirm whether that has taken place right. or not. So every accusation needs taken seriously and properly investigated in in some fashion. The last thing I want to add to this just just so we're not misunderstood, uh, any accusations that by law need to be reported must be reported. So 1 Timothy 5 is not an excuse to then not, in our day and age, to not bring in law enforcement and others uh, when it is by law that you have to that you have yeah. to be able to bring proper authorities into that. Any final word on this, Jim? No, Brian, I think that states it very well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Will you take a Such a hard topic, and like yeah. I said, I've choked that... Yeah, we have no answers, but we're willing to talk about the tension. Oh, we do around have this. answers. So, I mean, these are answers, <clears throat> that's Brian. True. They are, they are, and, and we would not be able to answer every circumstance and situation. But the, this is sufficiency of the scriptures to deal with this. Yeah, fair enough. Will you uh, take a minute and pray for yeah. these difficult issues? Yeah, Father in heaven, we grieve over every congregation that has had to go through and walk through this difficult process. We we grieve even more those that have refused to walk through this process. Father, thank you that you have given in your word uh, means by which a congregation can be protected and, and means by which an innocent man might be vindicated. 
Lord, thank you for your care. You, you, you are a God of justice, and we do pray in these situations and circumstances that righteousness would prevail, justice would be done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.